The Family Problem by On My Literature Bullshit Again. Chapters 9 to 12. Part 8 of the Midwest Biodisaster Zuka series. Read by Melo Zuko Deer from AO3. Rating Mature. Archive warning No archive warnings apply. See Chapter 1 for tags. Chapter 9 Summary Sokka gets protective, and Zuko and Azula work out some old family issues with a decent amount of success. Azula, if you... Zuko growled as soon as Iroh was gone, and his sister just giggled in a barbed, high-pitched sort of way. I don't know what you're getting so worked up about, Zuzu, she said. I'm just having a friendly little chit-chat about our childhood. I never understood why you were so sensitive. And the anger. She clucked her tongue. Does your new friend know about that? What you've done? There was a tense moment where Zuko seemed to be processing, and Sokka watched his profile and the twitch of tension in his jaw, unsure which way this was going to go. If Zuko straight up tackled and started fist-fighting his sister in a public restaurant, did he intervene? If Azula went for an electrical cord or a knife or something, all of which seemed horrifyingly possible based on what he'd seen so far, did Sokka try to stop her? Did he call the police? Did he just try to get everyone else out of the restaurant and let it happen? These were insane scenarios that Sokka definitely never thought he'd have to consider, so yeah, maybe he hadn't been quite prepared to handle whatever Zuko's family could throw at him. But then Zuko took a deep breath through his nose, and seemed to consciously unclench his jaw as he let the air slowly out through his mouth. His eyes shut for just a moment as he exhaled, and when they opened again, some of the fire there had receded. I'm not doing this, he said quietly, maybe to himself, and sat back a little, although his hand was still a tense fist around his cup. Azula's lip curled a little, and even Sokka could read the twinge of irritation she felt at the changing situation. I can't believe you're still doing this kind of shit, Zuko added, and his voice was considerably more calm and reasonable now. One of Azula's eyebrows ticked up, but nothing else on her face moved. I'm not your competition anymore, Zuko said, like it was something he'd recited before, his own irritation bleeding through and I never should have been your competition to begin with. Fucking come on. Why can't you get past this? I always think you're getting better, and then... Past what, big brother? Azula said, voice silky and face-controlled again as she brushed past his other statements. What are you so afraid of? Zuko levelled Azula with a long look. Even if he talked to you recently, Zuko said, tone low, our dad's gone. That dynamic, that weird reward system he had for you, whatever you earned from treating me like shit, it's done. Forever. Azula's face twitched. You can't beat me at anything anymore, okay? Zuko finished almost coldly. There's nothing for you to win now, so just give it up. Azula's expression had briefly faltered, but it didn't last long. I was just trying to have a nice conversation with some old friends, she said with false sweetness. Just share a little of our fascinating childhood with your new friend. 
Zuko sat still for a moment and then sighed and gestured with a quick flick of his hands, something that motioned for her to get it over with. Sokka felt that resignation with a nervous twist in his gut. Azula shot Sokka a look and a knowing sort of smile. I'm sorry you're having to see this side of my brother. He probably hasn't shown you it yet, has he? Just how angry and unhappy he is? She shook her head, faux sympathetic, while Zuko glared at her again. Not a pretty picture, is it? Sokka stared at her. What? What are you talking about? Azula rolled her eyes. Hmm, I should have known. Zuzu's always had a type with his friends. Pretty, trusting, sort of simple. It's no surprise he's moved on to you now. Excuse me, Sokka began, but Zuko cut him off. Oh, Zuli, he said, smile icy this time. I'm working really hard to try to talk to you nicely, but Sokka's definitely not a subject I'm going to let you near. Why is that? Azula said, grinning to herself. Are you scared of what I might know? Or is it uncle? Zuko twitched just a little, but Azula clearly saw it. Oh no, poor Zuzu. Her eyelids lowered along with her cooing voice. Does uncle not know? Scared of what he might think about you, what he might do, if he knew about your varied affections. Zuko had gone very still and pale, and Sokka finally reached out and lay his hand on top of Zuko's wrist and turned his sudden burst of fury on Azula. You got a problem with varied affections, sis? Because you're looking right at it, he asked and he was surprised by the way the words cut out of him even with his voice kept low. So do we need to have our own conversation, or are you just going to leave him alone? Because I swear to God I'll... Zuko reached over and touched his forearm just a moment, stopping him mid-ranting threat, and Azula raised her eyebrows, actually looking surprised. Sokka, it's fine, Zuko said, sounding calmer and more resigned again as he took his hand back, although he hadn't moved his other hand from under Sokka's. She just likes rattling me and knows how to do it a little too well. It's an old instinct, he shot Azula a look, that our dad brings out in her because she just hasn't quite unlearned it yet. Isn't that right, Zuli? Azula frowned at him but didn't respond. Yeah, that's not fine, Sokka grunted back, glaring at Azula who still watched their interaction with odd interest. So how about you drop it, huh? Well, look who you found for yourself, Azula purred, eyes moving to Zuko. Handsome, sweet, and protective of his lover. Lucky you. Sokka hadn't quite been expecting that, but he wasn't about to back down now, and he certainly wasn't going to say she was wrong. She wasn't, after all. And Zuko hadn't shaken off his hand, even if he'd gone a bit more stiff again. So you knew, Zuko said, and his voice was flat. You've just always known I was queer and toyed with me for fun. Because you could? Because you realised I didn't know for sure what you knew? His jaw tightened again. Always Azula with the lies and the games. Not always, Azula replied, looking unsurprised, although Sokka was a little bit by Zuko's blunt admission. I didn't always know, but I certainly guessed just like Dad did. More than Dad did, honestly, although of course he was more... Direct about it. Zuko eyed her, going pale again. Perfect Ozai can't have a gay fucking son, he murmured like the words burned in his mouth. Sokka wasn't sure whose words these were, how long they'd been lodged in Zuko's chest. 
but he tightened his hand on Zuko's wrist, sick to his stomach. Zuko shot him just the smallest glance. But I didn't know, Azula continued, still unsettlingly unconcerned. Just like he didn't. Not entirely. But come on, Zuzu, you were never terribly subtle, especially not as a teen. Zuko was very still beside him, and Sokka let his thumb rub against Zuko's wrist where their hands were still piled together. Azula looked at those hands and then over at Sokka, who was still watching her closely, unsure if he was prepared to leap across the table and tackle her himself this time, or if he just wanted to get up and drag Zuko out of the tea shop. Maybe both. He focused for a moment on Zuko's hand and the hard glint of Azula's eyes. I don't get this whole dynamic at all, whatever weird crap you guys need to unpack, or whatever happened in the past, Sokka said finally, keeping his eyes on her face. But you're gonna leave him alone while I'm around. I won't just sit here and watch you treat him like this. Azula looked over at Zuko. He's very intense, isn't he? Zuko frowned back at her, but Sokka cut in before he could answer. I'm not fucking around, Azula, he said in a low-pointed growl. Stop it. Azula put up a hand in surrender. God, all right. Why would I care who Zuzu runs around with? I've never cared about the gender of the person stupid enough to date him, she said. He's the one who's always been secretive and ashamed of himself. Yeah, I wonder why that might be, Zuko said dryly. More than a decade since we lived together and five years, Azula, since Dad went away. And you still have to cut down the people around you, huh? Azula's mouth snapped shut and turned to a thin line. Zuko's voice was firm, maybe a little tired as he continued. Does it really make you feel better about yourself? Are you that convinced you can't be happy unless everyone else is miserable? Because clearly, he finished, that's worked out so well for you before. You don't know what you're talking about, Azula snapped, nostrils flaring. Oh, of course not, Zuko replied, watching her almost placidly. So how are May and Tylee? Being cruel enough that they were afraid of you lead to a happy, lasting friendship like Dad said it would? Fear's the only real power, right? Something ticked in his jaw, and he rubbed, without seemingly to realise it, at the edge of his skull. Azula, for her part, had gone motionless, eyes a bit wide. So, you kick me around enough today that you're happy now? Zuko asked. Or do you want to try actually being siblings and see how that works instead? Azula's expression changed a little again, some of the control and steel in her features softening with an emotion that might have been... guilt. Maybe a bit of sadness? Sokka still couldn't read her entirely, but there was more and more vulnerable finally starting to bleed through her carefully constructed mask. Zuko was still staring at her, tense but composed, and Azula sat back, looking angry for a moment, like she might speak, argue, fight more. But Zuko didn't drop his gaze, and Azula's expression shifted again, softened further. She took a sip of the tea, and more of the aggression and precision suddenly went out of her posture. You think you know everything, she muttered. You know me so well. I mean, Zuko said, leaning on an elbow. I kind of do, Azula. Azula watched him a moment, and some... Odd, non-verbal communication seemed to be happening between them. It passed quickly, tiny similar ticks in their expressions that Sokka couldn't quite follow. 
Well, I know you, too, Azula said finally. And I was always a little hurt when we were younger that you didn't feel you could tell me the truth. Her voice was softer than it had been. We were just kids. We could have talked. Zuko's eyes narrowed, his brow furrowing. You just proved why I couldn't tell you anything, he stated. Because you do shit like this. Azuda adjusted the teacup nestled in her palms. You could have, she said simply, with a not quite convincingly nonchalant shrug. I never told him about them, or about you, just so you know. Zuko's expression flickered. However, he found out whatever gave you away, Azula continued, more of that syrupy veneer fading as she looked up. It wasn't me. Zuko stared at her for a moment. You... No, she said, looking down at her nails, resuming her sort of indifferent expression, guards back in place although not as firmly as before. Even then, I never said anything. It wouldn't have been fighting fair, and even I had standards. I won because I was better than you, not because of some stupid prejudice Dad had. Her eyes were sharp. I took pride in that. Sokka had no idea what the hell that meant, but it clearly meant something to Zuko, who was watching her in surprise. Sokka adjusted Zuko's hand so he could actually hold it, their fingers knitted together. Azula met Zuko's eyes again, although her gaze did drop once to their joint hands. I kept your secrets about the things that mattered, she said simply. And I might get to you because I can, because I don't... She looked a bit like saying the words pained her. I'm still learning how not to, she finished, but then she brushed it away, the placid appearance returning. But I kept your stupid secrets. Zuko's expression was hard to interpret. I always assumed. I know you did, Azula said, stroking a strand of her dark hair. And I suppose, looking back, it was justified. Your distrust of me. Zuko watched her for a long moment, only broken by the background noise of the tea shop. Thank you, he said quietly, for acknowledging that. Azula's eyebrows rose, and she took a drink of the tea, looking away. When she looked back, her lips were thinned. I did do some terrible things to you, I know that now, she stated, voice hushed. So I can't blame you for thinking the worst of me. Dad did terrible things to me, Zuko replied immediately, like it was something he'd worked hard to be able to state so directly. He just used you to do them because he could. We both know that now. Azula looked at him in surprise. Dr. Ling? Nah, my own version of Dr. Ling although the two probably have their own weekly meetups just to get drunk and compare notes on their shared messed-up siblings, Zuko said, scratching the back of his head. And he sat back, and some sense of normalcy had occurred between them again, or at least something more normal than the previous murdery vibe, so Sokka was at least grateful for that. Gods, you do still piss me off, Zuli, and you do it on purpose, Zuko finished with a familiar sort of irritable huff, which sounded far more like the annoyed but affectionate way he talked to Sokka than the previous conversation laced all through with pain and anger. Azula actually chuckled at that, for a moment sounding very similar to Zuko, and that was jarring. It's only sometimes on purpose, I really am trying. Her lips pursed. It doesn't matter. You piss me off too, she replied simply. 
but I won't say anything around Uncle if it means that much to you. Keeping this one a secret? She flicked her fingers in Sokka's direction. Don't call him this one. Fuck's sake, Azula. Fine, Azula said with an eye roll. I won't say anything about Sokka, alright? Zuko sat back, taking his hands back into his lap and bringing Sokka's with them. Thank you, he said. Well, you get so weird and barky about everything, Azula said, stroking a strand of hair near her face again. I don't get barky, Zuko protested. Normally Sokka would argue that, yes, he definitely did, but Sokka wasn't about to side with Azula. So he simply kept his mouth shut and squeezed Zuko's hand, and for a few minutes they simply sat in silence, maybe each navigating in their own thoughts. How does everyone feel about some jasmine tea? Iroh said, approaching to refill empty teacups around the table, and Sokka quickly let go of Zuko's hand. Are we doing quite alright after a bit of time to talk? Yeah, Zuko said, looking over at Azula. We're fine, uncle. Good, good, Iroh said, sitting down again. I know you two still have quite a lot to work through to move back toward harmony. You say that like there was ever harmony, Zuko grunted with a humorous smile. But Iroh returned his look with something a bit sad. I remember you both when you were very small, when the world was a very different place, he said, looking between the siblings. But I believe you can find some peace like that again, with time and effort, although the choice must be up to the pair of you. Zuko looked about to reply when his phone went off. He pulled it out of his pocket and looked down, frowning. Nick, seriously, he muttered, and then looked back up. I'm sorry, it's work. Excuse me for just a second. He stood up, gave Sokka one quick, apologetic look, and then was headed toward the door. Sokka stared after him, briefly panicked, because, oh god no, don't leave him with just the family while he had next to no idea what was going on and everyone talked in weird riddles Sokka did not have the training to understand. Thankfully, Azula took that moment to pat her lips with a napkin and excuse herself to the ladies' room, which just left Iroh. Which was nerve-wracking, but less so at least than the unreadable, maybe trying to be better, but maybe still sadistic sister. The older man simply sipped his tea, looking contentedly around at the tea shop while Sokka waited, tiredly wondering what new mess of insanity was about to fall into his lap. Chapter 10 Summary At last, the truth begins to come out. You're kind to put yourself into the middle of such a complex situation for your friend, Iroh said, smiling at Sokka now as they sat across the table from each other in the homey quiet of the tea shop. Oh, right, of course, Sokka said, taking a drink of the new tea, which was a bit better than the last one. Friendship, yep. Iroh's expression was gentle. Azula may still be troubled, working to unlearn a lifetime of being used and valued for her cruelty, Iroh said, looking over Sokka's shoulder back toward the main door. But my nephew is no less complicated in his own way. Sokka watched him, eyebrows furrowing. 
Sure, he finally said, because Iroh seemed to be waiting for a response, even though Sokka really wasn't sure he knew what they were talking about. Apparently satisfied with the nothing answer anyway, Iroh nodded to himself, a bit of sadness settling across his face. He's been trained to be constantly alert for threats, expecting them from any corner, any situation, and has learned to react with anger and distance to protect himself from that possible harm, even if it hurts those around him. He shook his head, eyes soft and sad as he continued, which is in some ways just as difficult an impulse to unlearn as Azula's desire to antagonise and defeat others in order to feel in control of herself. Together, they haven't had an easy life, and have had to find ways to survive the best they can. Sokka felt his forehead furrow. Okay? Iroh stroked a hand down his beard. I'm assuming you at least know something of Zuko and Azula's upbringing? Uh, yeah, some. Sokka agreed carefully, fiddling with the cup in his hands and spinning it on the table. Just whatever Zuko decides to tell me. I don't... I try not to poke at him. Well, he backtracked, rubbing the back of his head. I poke at him a lot about his choice in footwear and he won't eat frozen burritos, but I try not to about stuff that might actually hurt him to talk about. Iroh's gaze was steady, a small smile hidden within his beard, so Sokka found himself going on for some reason. It's weird between us sometimes that I don't know how to ask and he doesn't talk and we're both... Sokka waved a hand, unsure what he was trying to convey. Sometimes we're too similar and other times we're too different and that's hard because I want to help and I can't, and he can be so damn stupid and inconsiderate without meaning to, and... He paused, realising this wasn't coming out well, but Iroh was still watching him with a calm interest and didn't seem terribly offended by Sokka insulting his nephew. Sokka sighed. But I do know how hard he's worked. How hard he's trying. So I guess I'm trying too. Iroh gave a very warm smile that Sokka hadn't expected, because... He wasn't entirely sure what he'd said that made any sense at all, except in his own head. I'm glad to know he's chosen to share his burdens with somebody so understanding, Iroh said securely, which seemed awfully nice in response to Sokka's nonsense. To have earned the trust of my nephew is quite the accomplishment and says a great deal about a person. Sokka snorted. I sort of did it by a lot of yelling and flirting. I mean friendship. Just lots of platonic hangs, and guys being guys. Iroh chuckled. Of course. He stroked his beard again, his eyes gentle. I love my nephew very much, and know him far better than he sometimes likes to believe, he said. So there is very little he could tell me about himself at this point that would be a surprise. His gaze turned pointed, and maybe just a little bit like Sokka was a dumbass which was warranted. Ah, Sokka said, some worries subsiding even in the face of being non-verbally told he sucked at his one fake job. So you already know. Iroh smiled. Of course, I have known for some time. But I will always leave it up to him to tell me for himself when he feels ready, although I do sometimes try to give him the opportunity to say something should he so choose. He spread his hands a moment. My primary concern will always be that he feels safe to make up for the safety he didn't have as a child, and I would gather, he added, eyes kind, 
you share my concerns. I just... Sokka said, unsure what he wanted to say or how to say it, because this whole family talked by not saying, and Sokka very much did not do that. Yeah, he settled on. I also want that. Because I really care about him and I want to keep him in my life. He scratched the side of his head. You know, in a friend way. Of course, Iroh said again, chuckling. Well, I'm very glad he has found a friend like you. Thanks, Sokka said, eyebrows pulling together. Although I don't feel like you actually know that much about me. Just watching the way my nephew is around you says a great deal, I believe, Iroh said, sipping his tea. Really? Sokka asked. You can tell that he, uh, appreciates my friendship too? He winced a little at this stupid dancing around talk, feeling ridiculous. No wonder Zuko couldn't create a clear sentence to save his damn life when he was feeling weird. This family communicated like they were all playing competitive chess, and Sokka was trying to play too with whatever random crap he'd managed to rustle up in his pockets. He might not be good at always showing his emotions, and he's made his share of mistakes, Ira replied carefully. But I would guess that he feels about you the same way you feel about him. He folded his hands together. A desire to see you safe and happy and cared for, even if he struggles with what that looks like. Sokka wet his lips, heart beating a little hard in his chest. That's a lot to assume from two guys badly lying to you for a couple of hours, Sokka offered, sitting back, and Ira actually laughed just a little. Then he smiled over Sokka's shoulder and asked, Everything all right, nephew? Co-worker, Zuko grumbled as he approached again. Just being an idiot like normal, but no one's dying, so we're good. Sokka looked up at him with a smile, and Zuko bent to drop a kiss on the crown of his head, stroking back a loosened strand of Sokka's hair as he did so. Everything okay here? he asked, giving a small smile back as he took his seat again. Sokka sat very still, waiting for Zuko to realise what he'd just done, how naturally he'd just done it. And it was the ease of it? like an unconscious built-in gesture that made Sokka smile again. We're all good, he said, because Zuko was looking at him with a slightly quizzical expression. Having a nice talk about you, actually, and how well your uncle knows you. Sokka wasn't going to say more than that, and certainly wasn't going to point out Zuko's sweet, off-handed expression of affection, but the realisation did finally flicker across Zuko's face. It was like a strange pantomime of emotions. Awareness, embarrassment, horror, panic. Oh, that's, uh, he sputtered immediately, looking over at his uncle with widened eyes. Iroh simply took another sip of tea and watched his nephew change colours and make unclear mouth sounds. There was no hurry to it, no pushing, but his expression was open as he waited. Zuko could lie again. He could deny it, and Iroh would probably let him. But even with Iroh's reassurance, Sokka wasn't sure he could bear hearing it from him another time. So he rested a hand on Zuko's leg in solidarity and Zuko twitched and glanced at him. Sokka just sat there and waited, ready to be rebuffed and ready to leave if Zuko pushed him away. But he was willing to wait to see what Zuko would actually do. Zuko had snapped his mouth shut finally into a sharp thin line and his spine had gone tense but then he put his hand over top of Sokka's and squeezed, surprisingly hard. 
Um, Zuko began and looked back at his uncle, that fear returning to his face, and the grip didn't lessen on Sokka's hand. Sokka and I are together. It came out in a kind of blurt, too fast, but it was out there and his hand was locked around Sokka's and Sokka was deeply, painfully proud of him. Iroh gave one slow nod, but Zuko struggled on anyway, words clipped and sharp. Like, romantically together, he clarified, looking back at Sokka quickly before turning his eyes to his uncle once more. Because I'm attracted to him, and really like him because I'm... because I'm not just attracted to women, obviously. Because Sokka is, um, a man, so... He swallowed, and kept digging his fingers into Sokka's hand like if he let go he'd be thrown out to sea. Sokka didn't mind. He didn't mind in the slightest. I do still like women, sometimes, also, along with men, Zuko hurried on, like he had to justify his relationship and sexuality all in one go, present his case like he was in court. But, uh, so there's a thing called the Kinsey scale, and I'm like a three, I think, or maybe a four, depending on the day, which, he waved his free hand, doesn't mean anything to anyone but me and isn't really useful right now. I've heard of it, Sokka supplied, trying to be helpful. I'm like, uh, two and a half? Zuko shot him a smile that was somehow simultaneously terrified and grateful, and then finally looked at his uncle again. So, um, that's it, Zuko finished, and the hand on Sokka's went even tighter as Sokka watched him. As he sat there, facing his uncle's judgement, he looked smaller somehow, different from the Zuko that Sokka typically knew he was sarcastic and assertive and opinionated. But he also wasn't quite the exhausted, heartsick Zuko that had sat up with him all night. This was someone else, typically buried, a version whipped through with visible terror that he couldn't hide. Something was clenched in Zuko's shoulders, tucking them in around his jaw, like he was already pulling into himself. A kicked dog, preparing for another blow, prepared to bite or run, still shielding its vital organs, preparing for pain. But even through the obvious tension and fear he was feeling, Zuko kept his eyes defiantly forward on his uncle, kept his jaw set, and kept his hand locked around Sokka's. Zuko, Iroh said slowly, nephew, you know I think of you as my own and have since you were just a child. Zuko swallowed, still not moving, still clearly waiting for the hammer to fall. Sokka was reminded sickeningly of the question, do you still want me, Sokka? And a conversation offered with a similar vulnerability and patience, although a different kind of fear. He rubbed his thumb against the side of Zuko's finger, which is all he could reach with the grip Zuko still had on his hand. But he was glad to be there anyway. Iroh set his teacup down completely, very quietly, and Zuko still flinched just a little. There is nothing especially nothing like this that is so positive for you, Iroh smiled gently and motioned between the pair of them, that could ever change how much I love you. Zuko didn't uncoil, not really, but the hand squeezing the life out of Sokka's softened for a second and then squeezed tight again. So, you're not mad at me? he asked softly, sounding younger than he actually was, his body still curled into itself. You're not disappointed? That small voice and those fragile questions about broke Sokka's heart again, but at least he was here, a hand to hold and a presence by his side. 
He only wished he could squeeze his hand back, remind him he wasn't alone. He rubbed at his finger again, just the smallest brush of skin against skin. Never, Ira replied, smiling. Not in any way. I hope you know how much I value you trusting me with this, and I will always be here to support the man you have become. I hope you never find cause to doubt that. Finally at that, something actually eased in Zuko's body, and he seemed to transform before Sokka's eyes back to the man he knew again. No longer a child, awaiting judgement or preparing to scrape and claw his way out of the situation if he had to. His hand, which he glanced at in surprise like he hadn't even realised he'd been clinging to Sokka for dear life, released too. Sokka rubbed a hand over his leg again, that passed-on reassurance. Zuko still looked a little agitated, like he was gearing for a fight that might still come, and Iroh just continued to watch him with an incredibly gentle expression. Sokka felt the ripples of the unsaid lingering between them, those aspects of family that Sokka wasn't a part of. I think I'm going to grab another drink and let you two talk alone for a little bit, he said, standing up. Zuko looked up at him in surprise, but Sokka just bent to press a kiss to his forehead too, cupping the back of his head. The cat was out of the bag now anyway. You've got this, Sokka added to Zuko's sudden nervous expression. And just wave and I can come right back. But I bet you won't need me. He patted Zuko's shoulder. He loves you. You can do this. Zuko finally nodded and mouthed, Thank you before looking back at Iroh, who was simply sipping his tea again and giving them their moment. Bless the man, who clearly knew everything, all the time, and just pretended to be some sweet old guy in a tea shop. Sokka gave them one last look, and then stepped away to see if this place served anything but hot leaf juice. He definitely needed something stronger. Chapter 11 Summary Sokka finds himself in a conversation with Azula that forces him into some serious realisations. Can I speak to you for a moment? Azula asked, catching Sokka by surprise while he browsed the pastry shelf and waited for the nephew and uncle coming out conversation to conclude. Sokka looked up, a little nervous, but Zuko was still talking to his uncle and hadn't burst into flames or fled the room or started kicking over tables or anything, so why not? He looked back at Azula and her inscrutable face. What was the worst thing that could happen? He briefly pictured a frayed electrical cord, but dismissed the thought. Sure, he said, straightening. She immediately turned and headed through a door that led down a back hallway to the bathrooms, and Sokka followed throwing one glance over his shoulder to check on Zuko again. He was leaning forward, looking equal parts nervous and relieved, and Iroh was reaching across the table to lay a hand on top of Zuko's. His face pulled up in a smile. Okay, good. So maybe as long as Azula didn't murder him, today could have a happy ending after all the bullshit. When Sokka approached, Azula was leaning against the wall and examining her nails, looking completely bored and unconcerned one ankle crossed casually over the other. So, you wanted to talk to me? Sokka asked, leaning back against the opposite wall so there was a decent amount of space between them in the empty hall. Just 
tile floor, and braided non-slip rugs, and some paintings of teacups and flowers and Zuko's unreadable scary sister. I feel it's my duty to be honest with you, Azula said, still looking over her nails as if this was all below her. What with everything today? Okay, Sokka replied, already worried. About what exactly? It's not pleasant to have to say, she said casually. But if you are truly involved with my brother in some way, you deserve to know what you're getting yourself into. He made a very nice show of himself today, but you should know the truth, and it seems I'll be the one who'll have to tell you. Sokka crossed his arms, waiting. Azula finally levelled him with a look. He can't love you the way you want him to, she stated bluntly. Our father made sure of that. He tries, but it doesn't change him deep down. For a moment, something changed in her expression, and she added softly, flicking a strand of her hair back. It doesn't change either of us. Not really. What are you talking about? Sokka asked, feeling his fingers digging into his upper arms. Zuzu, Azula replied, back to sounding a bit bored. Really? He can't ever trust or love anyone completely. The whole instinct was trained out of him early on, and believe me, he's learned the lesson well by now. She eyed him. Stay with him, and you'll just get hurt. I'm sorry, Sokka said, maybe a little sharply. Where exactly is this coming from? You don't have to believe me, she added with a dismissive flip of her hand. But I'm trying to be kind and warn you because you genuinely seem nice, but also like you might be a bit stupid. Okay, well that's rude, Sokka said, shifting his weight. Right, Dr Ling would probably be upset at me for that, Azula said, without the smallest tick of apology. But sometimes brutal honesty is necessary. She looked almost pained as she added, I know my brother better than anyone. Better than uncle, better than dad. And I know what he's still capable of. Okay, Sokka said mind working to process and pull the pieces together. Why was it making him queasy? Azula finally met his eyes, and they were darker than Zuko's, but a similar shape, a similar cleverness in the depths, a similar shadow behind them. Her voice was firm as she explained, eyes locked on his. Whatever you might think from the outside, whatever side he shows you, under it all Zuko's like broken glass. Try to touch him and you'll end up bleeding. Poetic, Sokka said dryly, but the description stuck somewhere in his stomach. He hated that it did, but he couldn't shape the thought of those ghosted days of walking on eggshells, of being shut out. The bombs dropped today. The unintentional hurt. Because it did hurt, and that in itself was frightening. I can see you know what I'm talking about, Azula said, sounding almost smug. You've been hurt by him already, haven't you? She ticked up an eyebrow. Did he hit you? What? God no, Sokka replied immediately. Why the fuck would you say that? Well, you never know with him, Azula said with a completely uncaring shrug. He's thrown enough punches in his life. Yeah, maybe when he was an angry kid, but he's not like that now, Sokka said, trying to convince himself also because he was sick to his stomach with the thought, with her flippancy. At least not around you, Azula corrected. Or not yet. She ran a fingertip along one long nail. So, 
If it's not that, then he's what? Yelled at you? Pushed you away? Strung you along? She shot him a look. All very Zuko approaches to relationships, believe me. Sokka didn't say anything to that, ignoring the way it made his chest hurt. And he'd been feeling so good in the face of Zuko acknowledging him and coming out, like maybe things were turning around. Like maybe that he could make up for the rest of it, these last few weeks, and hours, honestly. But it was like Azula was looking into him, prodding at and coaxing out all his buried but persistent concerns. Azula just nodded to herself, looking infuriatingly smug again, all-knowing and so completely sure of herself, and here was Sokka, lost and stupid and scrambling just to understand these people and this fucked-up family dynamic. If you're truly as nice as you seem, Azula continued, you'll just keep getting cut by him. She gave him a sympathetic, maybe patronising sort of a smile. It's who he is. He won't do it on purpose, but he can't help it. He can't change his nature. He's not, Sokka began, but he didn't know how to finish that sentence. Azula just nodded, still looking so goddamn sorry for him. Better to get out before you're too invested, before he tears you apart completely. Sokka didn't know what her motivation was here. If she was genuine, if this was some return to that fucked up game, if it was something else entirely. But he hated that he understood her, that even a part of him was considering what she had to say. Because he couldn't dismiss some of Zuko's choices. Not telling Sokka about everything until they were here today, dumping him into this impossible situation with no help, the look in his eyes he'd pulled away and left that morning, that yelled, stop, and the words, I can't do this, followed by radio silence. He pictured the mood swings and haunted looks and quick snaps of anger that happened sometimes that alluded to the version of Zuko that Azula apparently knew so well, still recognised under it all. He imagined a future of continued not knowing, of waiting, of being constantly unsure where they stood, that nagging concern about what they meant to each other? If Zuko would keep coming back, keep wanting him too? Logically, he knew that was just his own insecurity talking, just the stress and weirdness of the past couple weeks and today. But... He opened his mouth, not entirely sure what he was about to say. Azula was watching him, knowing and sharp-eyed and too much like Zuko. Too, too much like Zuko. Maybe she was right. Maybe this was the sign. Having his fears confirmed by someone else, hearing them put into words and explained. Maybe the coming out was too little, wasn't enough, was just that outside that seemed so good. Zuko was broken glass. It made sense. Yet when Sokka tried to accept that image, all he could really picture was Zuko out under the stars the night of the wedding. He tried to superimpose the Zuko that Azula described, one at risk of hitting or yelling or shoving away, and just couldn't see it. It didn't make sense. Not really. Not in Sokka's experience. All he pictured was the Zuko who'd come all the way to a tiny town just to help out Sokka, who'd defended him from his old bully, who'd been so upset with himself for being angry even then, when it was justified, who kept being so sorry for getting angry, even today had taken that deep breath and let it go and calmed again. That wasn't the same person Azula described. It just couldn't be. 
not the Zuko who thanked him and held him, the one who told Sokka so gently that he wasn't too much, who hugged him tight and kissed him in passing and kept showing up when it actually mattered, even with all the mess and mistakes and confusion in between. He tried to picture broken glass and just saw Zuko shutting his eyes as he let Sokka kiss his scar, Zuko smirking down at him as they lay on his living room floor, Zuko apologising with so much sincerity, Zuko curled up against him at night, Zuko laughing at his jokes and squeezing his hand and petting his dog and staring into his eyes under the early morning sun like there was nothing else in the world he'd rather look at. Zuko, burdened by the whole world, having torn himself open to let Sokka poke at all the fucked up parts and still being willing to let Sokka leave, if that was what he wanted. If that would mean Sokka would be better off. No, Sokka said finally. Asuda's eyes snapped to his. What did you say? I said, no, Sokka replied, because you're wrong about him. That's not the Zuko I know. The smile she gave him was almost pitying. You really are sweet and simple, aren't you? She shook her head. Maybe I am, Sokka replied, frowning. But I don't think you're giving Zuko enough credit for who he's become. There, any sense of boredom dropped, just for a moment, her eyes narrowing, before she seemed to take control of herself again. I've seen him in and out of plenty of relationships, Azula said dismissively. It didn't end well for anyone. Not for Zuko and not for whatever misguided partner he ends up with. Actually, he's told me about his past relationships, so I don't believe you, Sokka said, and then added, cocking his head. And you know what? I actually think you've got it reversed, because he's much more prickly on the outside than the inside. And any of that painful stuff, whatever makes you think he'd still hit or yell, it's impulses he's working on and fighting against. Because, he swallowed, but continued firmly, whatever your dad might have tried to do to him, he never got rid of the things that make Zuko a good person. Azula's smile was slow and patronising. That's very cute, she said. But my father doesn't try things unless he succeeds. She rubbed the sharp points of her nails along the pad of her thumb. I'd know. Well, I think you're wrong, Sokka said with a bit more security, because the more he verbalised it, the more he remembered, knew it was true. About both of you, maybe. Your information might just be out of date. Azula's lips turned down a moment. Excuse me? You should spend some time with your brother and really look at who he is now, Sokka said, rather than whoever he was when your guy's dad was still around. Because that's not the same person. You don't know what you're talking about, Azula said, but it didn't come out nearly as confident as her many previous statements. Sokka shrugged. Sure, what do I know? Just the guy who spent almost every day with your brother for months, and only knows this really great, trauma-surviving, incredibly kind 26-year-old Zuko. And yeah, he fucks shit up sometimes, but he's trying to be better. He keeps trying! Oh, and, he continued, before she could talk over him, because now he was on a roll and he could feel it inside him and it was right. Even if, by some crazy chance, he really can't care about me the way someone's supposed to, Whatever the hell that means. Sokka straightened his back, feeling something finally give way within him, some part of himself he could finally recognise. Well, then I'd still want him anyway, 
because it's him. Azula's expression flickered with surprise before it went guarded again in a way that reminded Sokka a bit of Zuko, and he felt his heart squeeze in his chest. So at the end of the day, if he is broken glass, he finished heart squeezing. I guess I'll just put on some really thick gloves and keep right on picking up the pieces. He wasn't entirely sure the metaphor made sense. Hers had been much cleaner. But Azula stared at him, that odd vulnerability coming to her face again. There was a tense moment between them, spanning that hallway, before Azula spoke again. You love him, she said. You're in love with my brother. It hit him like a slap upside the head. I mean, Sokka replied after a moment of truly stupefying clarity. Yeah, I apparently am. It had been easy to deny it to Katara when Sokka could tell himself they were just having fun, that it was a casual sort of thing they were still figuring out. But he couldn't pretend that any part of what he felt about Zuko now could be called casual. It was something else entirely. Something so much larger than he'd felt before. Something that ached under his sternum and made him want to keep going, keep coming back, keep trying even when it was hard. And that was new. Sokka rubbed a hand down his face. I don't think I realised it until just now, though, so that's well... Whoops. Azula blinked at him once as he ran through his mental realisation. He just keeps pulling me back in with his particular brand of deep sincerity and surly charm, Sokka explained, maybe to her, maybe to himself, as he opened his hands with a smile. So yep, I guess I'm in love with your stupid brother. He was sure now, but part of him realised he'd probably been loving him since that first night in the hotel room before the wedding. Maybe longer. Maybe all along. Damn. Azula's face hadn't changed, still caught in that unsure, disbelieving expression, and Sokka almost felt bad for her. Clearly this conversation had not gone the way she'd expected it to go, and she didn't seem to be someone used to being the one on uneven footing. She was still an even sharper-edged, devilishly honed version of Zuko, but Sokka thought he was starting to understand her a little, too. The siblings were very different, sure, but underneath, Sokka could guess at a lot of the same insecurity and fear. So Sokka talked more. Once he got going, talking was something he could do. And hey, he said, gesturing towards her, seems like dear old dad didn't succeed with fucking you up completely either. Azula's eyebrows drew together. What do you know about it? She snapped, all defensive and barky, just like her brother for a moment. And Sokka almost laughed. Well, you didn't rat out Zuko's sexuality as a kid even though you could have, and you care about your brother's boyfriend's well-being now, or whatever this has been, Sokka offered, gesturing between them and trying to give her the benefit of the doubt. Either way, that's some good stuff to tell Dr. Ling. Azula frowned at him. Are you mocking me? That time I wasn't, Sokka said, smiling. Why? Do you want me to? You wouldn't dare, Azula said glaring in a strangely familiar way that actually did make Sokka laugh this time, which seemed to throw her completely off balance. I mean, that's like 60% of my relationship with your brother, so, he said, opening his hands. Azula blinked at him. And Zuko lets you? 
he lets you mock him? Well, yeah, Sokka said with another short laugh. Because it's fun and he mocks me too. It's our whole dumb thing, he shrugged. We just know that under it we do actually like and care about each other a lot. I mean, he ran a hand through his hair. I've never been vulnerable with anyone the way I am with him, and I think he'd say the same thing. So I guess the mocking's just the fun frosting on top of some actual trust. The cherry on top? The gravy? I don't know, I'm not a poet. He waved a hand. You get it. Azula looked like she definitely did not get it, but something had softened in her somehow. Or Sokka had so blinded her with nonsense she didn't know which way was up anymore and couldn't respond normally. Eh, either way. You're very strange, Azula finally declared. Sokka raised an eyebrow. Well, yeah, that's sort of a given. But I think I understand why Zuko cares so weirdly much about you, she said, sounding almost surprised. Uh, okay? Azula nodded sharply. I suppose I can accept you dating my brother. Oh, well, thank you. I'm glad you approve, Sokka said. Wait, was this all some weird sister test? Oh, not at all, Azula said without concern. I still truly believe Zuzu's demons will eat you alive and spit you back out again, leaving a small, sad version of yourself. But I've done my part to warn you, so I won't stand in the way. Sokka stared at her trying to process that sort of statement. Well, great, is where he finally landed. As long as we're on the same page that I'm gonna keep dating him and caring for him and protecting him and macking on his sexy-ass face and all that other good stuff, whatever you might think about our relationship. Azula's lips curled in disgust. You will never say something like that to me again, she declared. And Sokka smiled. What? Macking on your sexy brother, he teased, and was briefly worried that Azula was actually going to kill him now. Her frown had so heavily deepened. Fine, Sokka offered to her angry expression. I won't talk about how hot your brother is, and you're not going to poke at things you know hurt him. Not while I'm around. Otherwise, he smiled a little wider, I really will kick your fucking ass. At that, Azula actually laughed. A high, surprising sort of sound that wasn't nearly as satisfying as Zuko's, but still, felt pretty good to have achieved. At least this way she seemed less likely to murder him. You could never trust me, Azula said, delicately wiping one eye. Well, hopefully we won't have to find out, Sokka said. Yeah, for your sake. You keep telling yourself that, Sokka said, grinning. So are we good here? Should we head back to the table? Azula gave him one last long, measured look. All right, she said, pushing off from the wall and heading towards the door. Sokka followed, but caught her arm for a moment, which caused her to whirl and glare in a way that made him glad to still have a hand attached to his body. But hey, he continued anyway, don't tell him that I'm stupid in love with him, okay? We're sort of taking things slower and I don't want to freak him out. Azula sighed. Fine, I won't tell him, she said, starting forward again. But touch me again and I'll castrate you. Uh, noted, Sokka said, believing her completely, which was terrifying. 
What kind of intense murdery genes ran in this family? And he held the door open for her to pass back through. Chapter 12 Summary Iroh shows his support, and the family is solidified. Sokka and Azula approached the table together, just as Iroh was settling in his chair again, and Zuko looked up at the pair of them in surprise. So, he said, glancing between them as they both took their seats. You were somewhere together and you're both still alive? Zuko, Iroh chided, shaking his head. Sokka and I were having a very civil conversation, Azula supplied, refilling her tea for herself. Yep. No threats of castration at all, Sokka said with a smile, and Azula actually smirked at him just a little. Uh, Zuko said, should we unpack that statement? Nah, Sokka replied, really, we're all good. We, he shot Azula a look, understand each other, I think. Enough. Understanding is the first step to acceptance, Iroh said sagely, nodding at the table and Zuko just huffed in response. Yes, uncle, Azula said, shooting her brother a look. I suppose we're all learning to accept each other today. Zuko still glared at her a moment, but didn't rise to her bait again. Maybe because he didn't need to, and maybe just because for once, the universe was going to let Sokka be right, and give some clear indication of that fact. And everything's good here, Sokka said, motioning between Zuko and his uncle. Zuko shot his uncle a half-annoyed, half-indulgent smile, and replied, Yeah, we're definitely good. Yeah, Sokka said with a smile. Everything's... out? That wasn't meant to be a pun, he added quickly. Zuko actually laughed just a little, something relieved and warm there, and Sokka felt a strange surge in his chest. That face, that laugh, was the perfect reminder of all those other moments before, every little interaction that solidified that Zuko was worth it worth the difficulty and the drama because of who he was. Yeah, apparently my uncle's known for a while and prepared for whenever I told him, Zuko continued, and nodded down at the table and whatever his hand was curled around. Want a pin? He raised his hand to reveal two small enamel flags, one rainbow and one pink-purple-blue. Sokka couldn't hold back his delighted little gasp. Your uncle got you pride pins, he said, and then looked at Iroh. How long have you been waiting to spring these on him? Iroh smiled. Long enough. Asula made some unclear comment under her breath and sipped her tea, but Zuko and Sokka ignored her. Iroh simply rested a hand on her shoulder for just a second, giving her a kind look that made her bristle, and Sokka stifled a laugh at her irritated face. Then he looked back at Zuko in the pins. But wait, he asked, eyes narrowing a little. Why gay and bi? Zuko snorted and shot his uncle, who was positively radiating unfiltered joy, a pointed look. Apparently, he knew I wasn't straight, but wasn't sure how I chose to self-identify, Zuko said with small air quotes. So he tried to cover his bases just in case. I got them from a website called Etsy, Iroh said proudly, returning both hands to his teacup. And the woman 
The rainbow muse who ran the shop was kind enough to talk me through some options that might be appropriate for my nephew. He sent another fond look at Zuko. And she assured me that if it was something else, there were more pins that could be special ordered, pansexual, or polysexual, or... Okay, okay, Zuko said, waving a hand and turning a little red. These are fine. Sokka wanted to laugh at the whole situation. Itairo practically beaming at his specific show of support for his nephew, and Azula watching it all with an impassive but palpable judgement, and Zuko's obvious embarrassment all mingled up with being happy and relieved and himself. It was night and day from their first interactions today. It was strangely familial, honestly, more than any previous interactions had been, even including Azula's eye rolls and crossed arms and the pink at the top of Zuko's cheeks. Even odd and rough-edged, maybe this actually was still a family under it all. Like a what-the-fuck sort of family, obviously, but it was a long way from where they could have been. Did you get these back when I was twenty and had that jacket with all the pins and patches? Zuko asked, raising an eyebrow at his uncle. It may have been around that time, Iroh admitted, and Zuko let out a sort of snort. Please, tell me you still have that jacket, Sokka said. Zuko shot him a look. I might. Oh my god, Sokka said, going for puppy dog eyes. Please wear it again, and please add your new pins, and please go full broody 20-year-old Zuko for me sometime. Azula let out a long, disapproving sigh, sounding exhausted by the whole display. Oh, Zuzu. Don't start, Zuli. Zuko said with a smirk. Uncle's got a pin for you too. I am neither someone who would ever wear something so unsightly or someone who's not straight, Azula said stiffly, so I have no idea what. She trailed off as Iroh slid a pin across the table to rest in front of her. A red enamel heart that said, in tiny cursive, she persisted. Azula stared at it, unspeaking, for a long moment. You got this... for me? she asked, looking over at Iroh and then at Zuko. Well, it's not for me, Zuko said, picking up the rainbow pin. I'm not a she, and I've already got my uncle's support pin. So yeah, I'd say that one's for you. I got this one a bit later, Iroh confessed, tapping on the table near the pin. But I kept them all together, just waiting for the right opportunity to show how much I love and support my niece and nephew. Azula stared at him in amazement, something strange in her expression, and then pinned the little rainbow flag to the collar of his jacket, as nonchalant as if this wasn't some larger revelation, as if he hadn't been panicking all day and the days leading up to this meeting, as if he hadn't purposefully hidden that part of himself from his family out of self-preservation. Sokka watched him with a fond smile, and then found his own jacket being grabbed so that Zuko could affix the bi-flag onto his chest. I figured I'd go more general pride, Zuko said, patting the pin on Sokka's jacket. And you can go full Team Purple. Sokka grinned at him, probably looking dumb and sappy as hell, but he didn't care. I'm glad you let me come along to this, he said softly. Terrible plan and all. Yeah, I really couldn't have done this without you, Zuko replied, looking considerably lighter and more himself than Sokka had seen him in weeks. And damn, 
Sokka really wanted to kiss him, even right here in front of his uncle and with the looming threat of Azula cutting off his balls, but he held back. Instead, he simply raised a hand and allowed himself a moment to cup Zuko's cheek, brushing his thumb along the edge of the scar before they settled back into their chairs again. Oh, Zuko said, looking at Iroh and glancing aside at Azula, both of whom were very clearly watching them before taking a quick breath. Sokka and I aren't just together, he's my boyfriend. Has been for a couple of months. Azula rolled her eyes. We were friends, sort of, and Zuko continued anyway, looking at his uncle. And I went to his sister's wedding with him and it started there and now we're in a serious relationship and it's, it's really good. Which you didn't need to know, but, uh... I mean, it is really good, Sokka offered, shrugging, and Zuko's quick smile was grateful. Azula gave a dramatic sigh. A blind person could figure out you were dating from being near you two for longer than a minute, she muttered. It's almost insulting how stupid you think we are. I mean, she's not totally wrong, Sokka said, adding quickly at Zuko's expression. Not about the whole calling your family stupid thing. Just that Toph is literally blind, and had us figured out in minutes after one conversation, and we weren't even actually together then. Well, still, Zuko said, looking back at his uncle, who hadn't reacted. If today is apparently open and honest day, I figured I'd make it extra clear. He gestured to himself. So here's me, bisexual, with my boyfriend, Sokka. Also bisexual. Sokka looked aside at him and Zuko met his eyes. I truly appreciate you telling me, Iroh said solemnly with a deep nod, and I hope you know I fully love and support you. Zuko huffed, looking a little pink. Yeah, alright, I get it. I may have made this a bigger deal than necessary. Iroh said nothing, although his expression indicated that he agreed. Well, with our dad, it would have been a big deal, Azula offered maybe trying to be helpful because there was a certain level of darkness in her expression. He couldn't... She glanced at Sokka before settling on Zuko again. He couldn't handle us even thinking or speaking for ourselves. She flipped a strand of her hair away again. So if back then, even after you left home, you'd actually bought a boyfriend right in front of him and started using words like bisexual? He would have found a way to wreck the other half of your face. Hey, Sokka snapped immediately and he wasn't sure when it was that he'd gotten such an aggressive, Pavlovian reaction to people mentioning Zuko's scar, but he was about ready to throw hands with Azula again. Testicles be damned. Zuko lay a hand on his arm. She's not really wrong, Sokka, he said, surprisingly calm, although why she has to say it in that way. I'm just being honest, she said. Hugh and honesty, Sokka grumbled back. Azula levelled him with a look but didn't comment. What matters now, Zuko said over their obvious tension, is that what our dad thinks about what we do or how he would have reacted in the past doesn't matter anymore. Zuko managed a weak smile at Azula. Because he's out of the picture and we're not letting him back in. Right, Azula? He tipped his chin up to his sister and she raised hers too, but whether in solidarity or challenge wasn't totally clear. Sokka watched them and reached out and rested a hand on Zuko's thigh again. Zuko looked over at him and then seemed to be deliberating a moment before he lifted his teacup in a kind of toast. Fuck that guy, he announced, 
looking around the table. This is my family now. Here, here, Sokka said immediately, raising his own teacup. That large, scary thing inside him that he'd only recently identified as love getting even bigger. He'd been included in the tiny circle of Zuko's family, which felt like a massive honour. Maybe Iroh and Azula were both right in their way, that Zuko was a little bit vulnerable and a little bit deadly, that it was a privilege and also a risk to have him let you into his life. But Sokka had never been much for being intimidated by danger, and he wasn't about to start now. Time to invest in some thick gloves. Iroh grinned, small and gentle and understanding, and raised his cup briefly as well, and then all eyes were on Azula, waiting. Hers was sharp again as she watched them, expression pointed and wary, but after a moment, her fingers curled delicately around the handle of her cup. She lifted it, and looked Zuko straight in the eye. Fine, she said, to this family, Uncle and Zuko. I mean, not this one, she gestured with her other hand to Sokka, who made a face at her. I barely know him, but... Her voice was careful. Yes, to my family. From the smile that broke across Zuko's face, you'd have thought she'd leapt across the table and hugged him or found a cure for cancer. To our family, Iroh agreed gravely, lifting his cup again. Then all four teacups clinked together in the middle of the oddest type of cheers Sokka had ever been a part of, but he was certainly glad to be included. Without meaning to, Sokka scanned for the little rainbow pin on Zuko's collar, and then looked back around the table at this strange little family, the delicate balancing act the three people before him had created out of a lifetime of violence. It was clearly still messy, still tenuous, but it was a testament to their strength, or maybe their stubbornness, that they were here at all. And somehow, Sokka had been let into it as well, this strange inner circle of such fragile, carefully built trust. As Sokka watched them lapse into an easier, more natural conversation, he found his eyes caught on a bit of heart-shaped red, expertly placed against the crisp black of Azula's blazer lapel, and he let himself smile just a little more. That was The Family Problem, chapters 9 to 12 by On My Literature Bullshit again. Thanks so much to them for the amazing characterization in this fic, especially Azula, and for letting me record it. If you enjoyed listening, please tell me what you liked over in the comments on AO3, or come shout at me on Tumblr, at MeloZukoDear. You can also find All My Literature Bullshit Again there, at All My Literature Bullshit Again. Thanks again, till the next one. <laughs>